Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Well, as you're getting situated, uh, we're going to kick off a brand new um, series this morning. And um, if you have not been online or reading the newspapers, or seeing on TV, especially leading up to Easter, there's been a lot of harsh criticism of the church in general, like the body of Christ. (coughs) Excuse me, so excuse my voice. There's a lot of people, and I've even said this before, just, you know, because the numbers of people, as you can look around, even our facility, that are showing up on Sunday mornings uh, are decreasing, and I think that's a large part in people thinking that, hey, because I show up on Sunday morning, I'm the church. That's not the case. The church is not what you do on Sunday morning. It's the way of that you, life that you live because of what Christ has done in you. <coughs> Sunday morning is just something we do uh, to celebrate and rejoice in what God has done for us. So uh, a lot of people are, you know, bashing the church. There are a lot of people saying good things about the church. A lot of people complaining about the church in America. A lot of the same people are saying, hey, where is the church in America? Because that's the only thing that's going to bring America back to the place uh, that it needs to be. So I wanted to have an open and honest dialogue with you guys uh, about the church in America. Um, I had a great dialogue with myself, but that probably would not interest you as much. So uh, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to start by asking you guys for your feedback, because that's how a dialogue works. It's not just, you know, me the talking head, but also your contribution. We're not passing the mic. But I'm just interested in um, you sharing some of the things, whether you have seen or heard online. Has anyone seen any, like, good or bad, positive things, just in general, about the church in America? Yeah, like, share, throw it out. So people are saying there's not a clear understanding of what the church is. Yeah, and and again, like I said, there are people who have been in the church. I'm not criticizing anyone, but can we, you know, we're, we're, we're here on a Sunday morning in the presence of Jesus, so let's just be open and honest. There are people that have been coming to Sunday celebrations all their life that don't have a crystal clear understanding of what the church is. I mean, that's just the reality of church in America uh, today. Anyone else hear anything good, bad, positive, negative, good stuff uh, that you've read or heard? <coughs> Very short dialogue this morning then. Okay, all right, so um, there are lots of people, depending upon who you talk to, who will tell you some of the stuff they heard. Now, I have to say this too, because we've got to be honest. Some of the stuff you've probably heard, and when I say heard, I mean read online on someone's post or whatever, uh, are things that you don't want to repeat on a Sunday morning when you're gathered with people as the body of Christ because it's not all good. But here's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at what Jesus had to say about the church. Because if you're you're, um, looking at the criticisms, even the constructive ones that could help, 
but also the negative ones. And we're seeing it from Christians, non-Christians, other people, other countries, all over the place. But if you're looking at the criticisms, um, and if Jesus created the church, then whose criticism should we be most focused on hearing from? Jesus, thank you. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's another criticism that that Christians are judgmental. Now, um, before I go on, that's a really good point, and we're going to just take a second to, to, to hit that on. And let me be crystal clear, and if you disagree with me, you're being judgmental. No, I'm just kidding. Um, humans are judgmental. By nature, we are. And this goes back to a lot of people who don't understand what the church is. The Bible doesn't say that we as Christ followers shouldn't be judgmental. It does define how we are to judge because Jesus says the same measuring line that we use to judge others is what he's going to use to judge us. And he tells us to judge righteously over and over again. And I'm not going to, like, you know, focus the sermon on that, but... The thing that humans do is we judge other people. Now, the problem is, if I'm coming from a biblical place, and God tells me to judge with the same measuring line, and I don't, yeah, I'm kind of wrong. But if I do, I can still do that in love, with grace, and without all the hate that humans bring into our human judgment. Does that, does, that, does that make sense to everyone? But people do judge. I mean, we're humans. That's, that's what we do. And we're going to go over this because um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Revelations. We're going to look at an open letter that Jesus Christ wrote to the churches. And in it, he has some positive, constructive criticisms. In it, he has some, you know, harsh criticisms but again, if we're listening to all these other people, I think we should listen to what he has to say about the church first and foremost. Because from him, we're going to hear uh, more of the guy who designed it and created it and equipped it and is keeping it sustaining. Here's what he says we should be doing and some of the things we shouldn't be doing. All right? Now, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 1. <coughs> but... I want to give you a little bit of background on Revelation chapter 1. Now, I'm going to put the verses up here, and I'm going to read a couple of them first, but then I want you to have your Bible open because there's some stuff I want you to underline because it's going to be crucial to our understanding of what Jesus is saying. Now, here's the thing. I would love, and we did this a few years ago. We walked through the book of Revelation because there's so much theology and information in there that is crucial. I mean, it's good stuff. Our focus is only going to be on the letter, the portion of this letter, that Jesus addresses specific churches and his criticisms and his constructive criticisms and his, like, encouragement of things that they're doing right. Because that's the part we're focused on right now. Now, probably not this summer, maybe next summer, <coughs> we're going to do a series called a 12-step program. 
walking through the book of Revelations so that you can understand not what the church was in the past, because God tells us that in the book of Acts, here's what the church was, not what the church was in our American history, because depending on who you talk to, everyone's got a different perspective on that, but where Jesus says the church should be going and where it is going and where it's destined to end up. We're going to do that in the future, but follow along real quick in Revelation chapter 1. <coughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is there. All right? Pretty simple. This is John opening. He's starting a letter. I'm going to go back. I'm going to ask you to highlight some stuff. It's going to help us understand uh, the specifics. Now, first and foremost, this is John writing this, but he says what he's writing, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ showed up on John's doorstep while John was in prison and said, John, take a memo or send a 20-something chapter tweet, however you want to look at that. And John says that it's not, hey, I'm when Jesus reveals something to you, He's not revealing something we already know. He's revealing something that we need to know. And if God shows up and says, John, take a letter, the churches need to know this, how many people think it just might be important? Me and Kevin and Drew. Okay, all right, but here's what he says. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is important, which God gave him to show his servants. And as you read through this letter, this isn't just a... This is a, a, a letter that comes from the Holy Trinity, and you're going to see that throughout. This isn't just, uh, and it would be fine if it was, if all it said was Jesus showed up and said, here's what I want to say, but God gave it to Jesus and sent him to give it to John, and then we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, and you'll see that throughout this letter, are supposed to be receiving this letter because he said he sent, to, excuse me, he sent it to him to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, this is why so many people argue about the book of Revelations. Because that happened, you know, I want to say 93, 97, depending upon, you know, what historian you're listening to, A.D. We're like 2,000 years later. But from God's perspective, if you're an eternal being, Soon makes no difference. I mean, does, does that make sense? Put it this way. Um, for you guys that work and, you know, you, you, you're planning days off and vacations and all that stuff, if you have no days off and you don't have a lot of money, other than you don't want to drive in the snow and you're looking forward to more sun, yeah, summer can come. I mean, it's great. It's spring. No one's in a rush to get to summer. The kids who get off for three months, which I think they need to change that because that is nowhere near to reality. Do any of you guys get three months off where you work at? Like, I mean, but, I mean, the least they could do is kind of start winding them down to prepare them. Even in college, they get more time off than in high school. Anyway, to kids, 
they want summer here now. It can't get soon enough because they get three whole months off. So to them, soon means like immediately. To you, who's like, ah, well, you know, I don't get my vacation until whatever, and your next day off is maybe the 4th of July. Other than the nice weather, some beach time, barbecue, no rush. So to an eternal being, yeah, it's going to happen soon. Uh, to us, it could be days, weeks, months, hours, could be another few centuries. We have no idea. But it is going to happen, and it is going to take place, and he, meaning God, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. This is another thing that confuses people because they're like, this is confusing. The only thing that's confusing is we use the word angel, and we know we mean some kind of angelic being, right? That's what we think of when we think of angel or we think of Roma Downey, whatever comes to mind. But the word is messenger, so if you replace angel with messenger, this is still factual and correct, that God sent his messenger, Jesus Christ, to John. And we know this because in a little while, uh, Jesus literally shows up and says, I am, you know, the Alpha and Omega. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Take a memo. So we know the word messenger doesn't mean it was some angelic being. Uh, even though we translated angel, it was a messenger. And he sent him to a servant, John, who testifies. John says, this is a legal word. I am testifying to everything that he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John is standing there as an eyewitness saying, yes, I testify that Jesus Christ showed up and said, hey, this is the testimony that I'm, I'm going to share with you. And this is, this is the beauty of it because it says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Now, this is prophetic. Prophecy has two meanings. One meaning, God is revealing something that could happen now or that is not time sensitive, but that we don't know. He's revealing more about his nature. He's re revealing to us more about our nature. He's revealing something that we don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the future. It's just some information we don't have that's prophetic or Prophetic meaning he's revealing something that's going to happen in the future. This whole book that we call the book of Revelation has all of that. And he says, blessed is the one who reads, reads the words of this prophecy. So if you're reading it, how many people have read the book of Revelation? And I don't mean like the movie version because you saw a left. But uh, if, you're re if you've read the book, it's a blessing. Because I know many people try to make it into all this stuff. It is the greatest love story ever told. Jesus Christ, who loves you more than you can imagine, literally shakes the foundations of the earth to get to the one he loves. There is no greater love story than that. Although some people kind of put that whole vampire diaries thing up there, but it doesn't come close. But blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, again, some people say, hey, if somebody reads this book to you, you're blessed too. That's not what it says. It says, blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. So if you haven't read it, but you've had someone preached it to you, or if you listened to podcasts, or someone walked through the book of Revelation, and, 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 and you took it to heart, then yeah, you're blessed. All right, so here's, here's what else he says. The next verse says this. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Now, 
you can, you can close your Bibles for now because that's literally as far as we're going to read today in the Bible. But let me share something else with you. As John goes on, when Jesus shows up, he says, Jesus, you know, showed up, told me, take a memo. And Jesus addressed the first portion of his letter to seven churches in the province of Asia. Now, John doesn't list them directly in order. He just quotes Jesus when Jesus says, first to this church, say this, and then to this church, say that. But here are the seven churches, the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Most of them we, you know, probably don't mean a lot to us, but at that time, just like today, well, it's not really like it is today, uh, what would happen was in a community, there would be a church. Like if you read through the book of Acts, Paul goes and he starts a church in a community and people from all over are meeting in homes and fellowships and neighborhoods. Then they come together to celebrate and that is the church in that community. Now we know for a fact that there were more than seven churches in this region in Asia Minor where all these churches were. There were more than seven communities and some of the outlying areas there were even more. But here, here, here's what happens. By addressing these particular seven churches, Jesus addresses, here's things that you guys are doing right. Bravo. Tip my hat. If he wore one, it's a crown. I don't think they need to tip that. We should bow to him. But he says, bravo. You guys are doing this right. Then he says, here's some things that you could be doing better. These are things that are going to make you even better as the church, the body of Christ that I created. Since he created it, he gets to say what's going to make it better. And then he says, but this stuff over here, that has to stop. That's got to stop. And in some churches, there's good things and bad things. In some churches, just good. Some churches, it's just, hey, you guys are like tore up from the floor up. You, 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 you need to stop. And what we have by addressing all of those seven churches we have a perfect picture of the things that God wants to see in the church. Here's the good stuff. The things that God wants done better in the church and the things that God says this has to stop in the churches. Does that make sense? So by these addressing these particular seven, addressing the good things, the bad things, and whatever, we get a perfect picture that applies not just to those churches, but to every congregation, all the people that call themselves the body of Christ throughout the ages. We get a complete picture. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. But here's what we're going to look at. And um, as we look through these letters, we're going to be looking at what are the things that Jesus says, hey, you're doing wrong. And we're going to look at us. Hey, how are what are, what are we doing wrong? Uh, what are the things that you're doing right? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to keep make sure we keep plugging into those. What are the things that we can do better? Not according to what, you know, our Facebook frenemies say, but according to what our Lord and Savior says so that we can do and fulfill the mission that he has called for us to do. Now, I'm going to start uh, by asking you guys this, first and foremost, to take just 30 seconds right now and off the top of your head, think of one or the other, something that, well, for us here at Crossroads, here's what 
we could probably do better. We're not going to discuss it or debate it. I'm going to ask Diana, do you have like pen and paper? Can you just take some of this down? Uh, and we're going to just jot this stuff down. We'll come back to it later. But if there's something on the top of your head, yeah, we could do this better. Ben, I'm going to ask you in a second to just, just share that. Yeah, we're not doing too good at this. I think we've got this wrong. I'll ask you to go ahead and share that. Oh, and again, we're not going to discuss it or debate it right now, but it's stuff we need to know. And hey, hey, this we're doing okay at, but we could definitely do this a little bit better because uh, I think it's an issue if we look and say we're, we're perfect. We have no room for growth. Um, when we're about to read a letter where Jesus says the entire church body has room for growth. So just really quick, uh, who has something... Just shout out that they think that, yeah, we're doing good at whatever. Please, Lord, let somebody say we're good at something. Okay. So visiting uh, sick people, that's something we can do better, figure out a way to better make sure that people get visited, those that want to, and that those that don't, that we're not walking in them when they're, like, not at their best after laying in a hospital for three days, no makeup, and, you know, smelling like they've been in the hospital for three days. So something we can do. Anything else? So something we're doing good. When someone has a need, coming together to support, encourage, and be there for them. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Definitely one of the things that we as a church should do. Anybody else? Reaching out to members that haven't been here in a while. That is definitely, I, I, hands down, that we could do better at reaching out to people we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. Not to say, why aren't you here on Sunday morning, but just to say, are you okay? Yeah, we could definitely do better at that. And, yeah. Yeah, this, this is the reason why we're here. So we do a good job of staying biblically based. That's... Excellent. Thank you for throwing that out there. I'm glad somebody. Okay, anyone? I saw, yeah, Helen. The love and the caring, that's something that we do good. Something we can always continue to do better at, but if we're not loving people, we're not being the church at all, period, point blank. That's, that's, so that's, that, that's great. Anyone else before we, before, we, before we move on? Yeah. So ways we can reach out, uh, ways we can get out and share the gospel more, uh, get the word out to the community more, definitely. We can always do, be better at doing that. Anyone else? Yeah. Get better at it or we're doing good at it? Or? Oh, we're good at it. We're good at it. I can tell you, I can, I can honestly tell you, I can't say this was the pinpoint but the very first time I walked into this building, it was still Beulah Baptist. I came in with Damian Williams. Christy was not here. My daughter Fallon was with me. Uh, we were helping to plant Steel City Church. 
And I don't remember which of you guys were here. I mean, most of you guys weren't because you weren't here then. But uh, literally every person in the building, there were maybe, you know, 10, 12 people here, but literally every person in the building came back during the meet and greet time, welcomed us, and spent a few minutes talking to us. And my first thought was, why isn't these, this place packed? These people are great. They were very welcoming. They were very friendly. They were, I mean, that, that, that was the first thing, my very first impression before anyone spoke or anything else happened was, wow, these people are great. So uh, that also, welcoming to people. I was reading an article about, uh, not an article, it was a post from a, a woman who pastors a church who was meeting with some kids who were disgruntled about church and they were saying one of the main reasons that they were disgruntled about going to Sunday celebrations, you know, they'll go to youth group stuff, they'll do whatever. They didn't like Sunday celebrations. They didn't feel welcome there. They felt like they were more of a hindrance on Sunday morning than a part of what was happening on Sunday morning. And they felt like when they tried to express, you know, here's why I don't, don't like going, they weren't being heard. And I, I could understand that if, if no one, you know, if I walked in and felt like no one wanted me there, I wouldn't be there much longer. Anything else before, before we move on? Okay, so let me, let me share this. And what I'm about to share, most of you have heard over and over again. But it's going to drive a lot of the things that you said um, and a lot of the things that we're going to hear uh, from Jesus and his criticism and how we can do better and things that we need to stop doing and things that we need to start doing, all of that. Uh, and that, and in essence, is, uh, I'm a couple of slides behind, in essence is why we're here this morning. So our mission, how many people have ever heard me say, here's what our mission is before? Yeah, our mission is very simple, to be the church. That's it. And I know, I listen to podcasts of all these mega pastors and all that stuff and all these different missions and vision statements and all these corporations say, here's our mission station. Uh, Jesus came up with our mission statement. Be the church. Share the love of Christ. That means we need to go out and tell people there's a God who loves them. Show the love of Christ. Our actions, the way we treat people and talk to them needs to match that. I can't sit down with you and say God loves you and then go, you know, gossip about you on my Facebook page because of something you said or slam you because you don't agree with me or because I don't think you're living your life the way Jesus said you should. That's not my call. So we have to share the love of Christ, tell people, and show the love of Christ, and then it doesn't stop there. Invite people to be recipients of God's love. That's the reason we're sharing it. That's the reason we're showing it so that we can invite them to receive that same love that hopefully is transforming our lives and getting us to a place of where we're experiencing more joy in our life despite the trials and tribulations. Um, but again, if you have not heard me say that, I, I forgive me because I should be reiterating that all the time. That's why Crossroads is here. We're not here to do this on Sunday morning. We do this on Sunday morning as a part of driving this, being the church. So that's our mission. Our vision, which is different than our mission, and it's not like, you know, God gave me a vision, that type of vision. It's as we go about accomplishing our mission, then the vision is what we see happening as a result of being able to accomplish our mission. 
So as a result of us being the church, which means we're sharing and showing the love of Christ, and we're going out and inviting people to be recipients of Christ's love, then what will happen is you will naturally see this. You don't have to do anything else for this to happen. You'll create places where people can experience God. That means when you're sitting at school, lunchroom at work, beast feast, coffee shop, wherever, and you're talking to someone, and maybe they know you're a Christ follower, and they're praying with you, and they, they, they ask you to pray for them, because sometimes some of the largest critics are the ones who come when they're going through something and say, will you pray for me? And that's an opportunity to, rather than be judgmental, to show the love of Christ and say, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. And I'd love to, you know, follow up with you and see how I can be of help to you. And in that moment, you've created a place where someone can experience God. Nothing to do with being in this building. Us coming into this building is where we come, we celebrate, and we rejoice so we can go out energized and share and show the love of Christ and create places where people can experience God. Now, here's the thing. The strategy that we use, and, and bear with me, I know this is kind of blah, 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 mumbo-jumbo, is how do we get from mission to vision? How do we get from, hey, yeah, we want to be the church to where we are creating places, and it, it, most people here creating place, and they think, are you planning a church? Are you? No, wherever you sit down with someone and you're sharing and showing the love of Christ to them, you're creating a place or an opportunity or a space for them to experience God through you. Now, here's how we get there, and this is the key, through you. I can't go to your school, your workplace, um, definitely can't go to your school, they'll lock me up, but, and start preaching to people or sharing with people about God. But you can, with your coworker, the people that you go to school with, in the, in the lunch place at work, you can, as God allows you, you can reach them, you can connect with them, and as you invite them to be recipients of Christ's love, the goal is everyone that walks in here and says, yeah, I like this place, I want to be a part, then what we want to do is I want to find out from you how can you be sent out, not by me, not by crossroads, by God. Because God gives every believer a gift, a skill, a talent, or something so that they can use to help the purposes of his kingdom. And I, I would much rather... And I know this sounds bad, so I have to rethink this every time I say this. It's great if this building were filled with people that showed up every Sunday morning. I would, and hear me, I hope I'm saying this clearly, I would much rather have it the handful of people that show up and go out Sunday afternoon through Saturday night sharing how much God loves them and what God has done for them. That's the key. I would love to see every seat filled, but only if they're filled with people who say, I want to go out and share the gospel and tell people how much God loves them and be the church and give somebody an opportunity to experience God's love. And I know that's a bad thing because I hear, again, all these pastors and whatevers that say, our vision is we want to we save 100 people in the next, you know, 10 months. We want to save 1,000 people in the next 10 years. We want to save 100,000 people in the next 20 years. That's great, but then you have to change it. If you reach it, 
or if you don't, this never changes. Because after you go out and you create a place for somebody to experience God, invite them into your life, invite them into the kingdom, guess what? You do it again. And again, when does it stop? When Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And tell them, we just keep doing it. All right? Now, here's, and you guys brought up some good points, and we're going to focus on this next couple of weeks. But uh, here's how we're going to do that. First and foremost, as somebody said, this needs to be our marching orders. We have to be Bible-based. Here's the good part about that. Here's the bad part about that. Good part about that is whether you agree with me or not, or whether you agree with Crossroads or not, or whether you agree with the Bible or not, you can always go and say, well, this is what they're going off of. I don't agree with it, but they're, they're just walking through what the Bible says. That's what's driving everything that we do. And there are going to be even Christ followers, because you, I mean, just <laughs> turn on the radio and the news, Christ followers who say life has to be lived this way, and other ones who say life has to be lived this way, and people who claim to be Christ followers but don't do anything that's in here. But for us, whether you agree with me or not, whether you agree with, you know, Crossroads or not, this is what we're going to follow, period. And, I, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you hear me preaching something different, now I'm human, I make mistakes, I mess up facts or whatever. And um, for those of you who are here on Easter, how many people were here Easter? Uh, and I had that whole dizziness thing going on. It's going on right now, so you guys are kind of like going in and out. That's why I'm clinging to the thing. But uh, so I, I, if I misspeak a fact or whatever, come and say, hey, Floyd, I heard you say that there were 12 churches that this letter was to. I thought it was seven. Ask me about it. Uh, if you hear me say, you know, Jesus had a brother named Leroy, and he's the one that we should worship, definitely come ask me about it. If you hear anything that I've never heard that in here before, come ask me about it. Because I don't want to be the guy that strays from what God is saying you guys are supposed to be doing. Okay? Now, there are people that have come ask me about things, and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what they said. And they're like, oh, great, I didn't know that before. Great, we learned something, we get to share, we talk, great. But if you hear me saying anything that you're like, that's unbiblical. And I think there was one, I won't go into detail, someone who in making a point, I mentioned something. I didn't say this is what we believe. I mentioned something. And they walked away thinking I said something totally different. And I won't go into detail, but it, it, was, it, was, it was a bone of contention with me because I, I don't want to misrepresent God. But I'm human. I make mistakes. I say things wrong. I mean, I listen to, I mean, I'm sure you hear on a re radio where I hear people, they, oh, he said the wrong book. He meant John, but he said First Corinthians, or whatever. It happens. But this is going to be our marching orders. We have to be biblically based. We also have to be, as someone said, community-based. If all we do is gather on Sunday mornings um, and all we do is just this, that's not the church. There are groups on campuses. There are groups in neighborhoods. There are uh, corporate organizations that gather once a week to sing, share, talk, whatever. If all we want to do is sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya, we could do that, which Rachel, make a note. We do need a, a bonfire. That would be awesome. Anyway, 
Um, but if all we wanted to do is do that, we could do that. That doesn't make us the church. We have to be focused on not just what happens in here, but equipping us so that we and the people that come in and the next generations that come after us can go out into the community, as somebody said, uh, sharing the word, finding ways to reach out to people. Now, I'm not going to focus on that, but we do need to go out into the community, but one of the best ways to go out into the community is individually. Now, how many of you um, have been coming here because someone invited you? Okay, if it was your parent that dragged you years ago, don't raise your hand. Uh, okay, all of us by parent. Okay, no, okay, so someone invited you. Because someone said, hey, come in. Most people, if they come in with a friend who stays with them, those are the ones that don't just stay. They become committed. Most visitors just, just drive by um, usually don't tend to stay because there's nothing grounding them here. They'll stop by and say, I like this or I like that or I don't like this or I don't like that, and they'll keep window shopping. But if you come with a friend who's involved, and I'll give you an example. If, uh, if Adrian, who has done this, brings a couple of her friends and says, hey, come in, hang out with me back at the tech team because I run the tech team table. Uh, come hang out back there with me. Uh, and they come, and if they like it, they'll keep coming. Most of them would not have stopped foot in here on their own. They came because of Adrian. And most people, when they come with a friend, when you invite them, hey, come with me, and this is why we do those Beast Feast type events. Those are stepping stone events because the idea is come with me on Saturday night. We're going to this, like, crazy potluck. Did anyone have the venison, bacon-infused meatballs? That one, by the way, that was like, those were like awesome. I had so much of those. I had no dessert at the Beast Feast, which is like somebody prayed for me because that was weird. But those are things where you invite someone, say, come hang out with me on Saturday night. And they're like, oh, this is great. I had a good time. And say, hey, these are the same people I'm going to be hanging out with tomorrow morning. Come with me to church. Come with me to the Sunday celebration. All right, so we need to be community-based and I had this conversation with someone where I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I feel like we do reach out into the community. We try. I definitely try to connect with other pastors, but I was telling somebody, I am a little tired of trying to connect with other pastors because I feel like I'm stalking them. And there are pa- I see, if I see, you know, someone's out in the community, I, I was telling a story saw this other church. I don't know how long it's been there. I, did, I had never noticed it in the community before. Sent a, an email and said, hey, would love to get together with you. Just noticed you're in the area. Uh, have coffee, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Heard nothing back. Waited, you know, a few weeks. Sent another email. Heard nothing back. Nine months later, they needed something they thought we have and sent an email. Hey, would love to get together with you, get to know you. By the way, I need blah, blah, blah. And I, I still responded and said, sure, I don't have blah, 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 but I'd love to get together with you. Let me know when. Never heard another word. And I feel like I'm stalking them. And one of the reasons we try to do events with other churches is because we're all the church. And we can't reach out to this community if we're not involved in the community, if we don't know what's going on in the community. That's why we're going to Earth Day. We're not going to preach to anyone. We're going to be picking up trash. But we're going to be doing it with people in the community. 
That didn't make it sound more fun either. But still, um, we're going to be picking up trash. Now, we also have a Bible study that we, well, it was a Bible study. Now it's a, call it a paradigm discussion group at CCAC, where we sit with whoever shows up and wants to talk, and uh, where we say, hey, here's what people are talking about. Here's what's going on in the world. And then we say, well, here's God's perspective on that. And, and, and I forget, it was a few semesters ago, we were having a conversation about something, and someone stopped by just to share their perspective, and someone else stopped by to share their perspective. And it's great, but when we went to other churches and said, who wants to help with this? No one said, yeah, I want to help. Except for one church that said, I don't want to help. I want to run it. You guys want to come up under my thing? And we said, well, we want it to be a community thing because it's a community church. And the idea is if there are people that are taking part that live in West Mifflin or Elizabeth or whatever, anywhere in the South Hills, because it's, you know, CCAC South, that we can then say, yeah, this church is near your neighborhood and direct them to a church. And church after church after church said, I don't have time for that. Now, I will share this with you. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of upper room worship? Okay. They, uh, giving you the condensed version. They are currently meeting in Brookline. And they came to us and said, hey, uh, long story short, they're like the third or fourth church that's meeting in the building that they've been in. And they said, we were thinking of uh, asking you, can we meet out of your facility? Now, I don't know if any of you guys have seen any of their um, worship services online. They have lots of lights and industrial stuff up on the stage and all that kind of stuff and, and, and the fog machines and all this kind of cool stuff. And uh, I think we went with, I forget who, some of the, some of the board went over there and they do the same songs we do some, I mean, depending on which church, which congregation you walk into, you'll hear some of the same songs, some of them done slower, some of them done faster, some you won't know, some you will. So um, I've been there a couple of times, I even spoke there one time, but they do a lot of the same songs we do, some louder, some with more fog, which we don't have. But they said, hey, can we come and do our, they do meet Sunday nights, we want to do that out of your facility. We are like, yeah, sure. Uh, they met with the board because we we're trying to figure out, you know, there's like legalities and insurance and all this stuff and uh, how's all this going to work. And, and just to summarize, and you guys will hear more in the coming weeks, um, as far as I know, I think Larry was the only one I didn't hear back from when I talked to the board. Everyone was like, yeah, this will work. This sounds great. Uh, what we told them was, yeah, you guys can come. Uh, what we're going to do is our sound equipment, because theirs is way better, <laughs> I mean way better, uh, we're just going to put all of our sound equipment, including uh, the soundboard storage, use their stuff. Their sound stuff will just stay up, their monitors, their speakers, better equipment. And they said, that's fine, you guys can use it. Uh, for the first three months, we're not going to ask them, hey, you guys need to reimburse us for utilities or consumables or all that stuff, because we don't know what it's going to look like. Right now, they have, you know, sometimes five or ten people, sometimes 25 or 30 people, just depends. Uh, and having done... Sunday celebrations on a Sunday night in Steeler country, <laughs> you know, it, it really depends. So um, we said, we'll wait three months, see what that looks like, and then we'll, we'll worry about what you guys need to reimburse us for. And as far as stage design, like the lights and stuff, uh, the lights, you probably won't see if they're mounted up there. They'll be shining over here. 
I will use them. I told them, I was like, I'm very visual. I like putting up visual stuff. I don't mind using the lights. And I don't know how many of you were here back in the days when we were doing dramas and all that kind of stuff. And, and the lights would make that all doable again. But uh, all of the other stuff that they have, like industrial stuff, uh, we said, hey, we'll put a hold on that. And any visual stage changes that are made, we'll make together. Ones that don't stop you from being who you are, but won't stop us from being who we are, because we're not them and they're not us. They also want to do monthly youth events in there. I just talked to uh, the guy who's part heading that up the other day, and they're also looking at scaling back and focusing more on music. So instead of, you know, they do like a seven-song set uh, right off the bat, lots of worship, and then someone preach, and then maybe a song or two. Uh, whereas we do, you know, mix three or four, maybe at the end. Uh, they want to be more musically based, scale back less on the preaching, just a more an evening of just spending time in praise and worship with God. And they want it to be more of what youth and young adults would come attend. And it's a little bit edgier, and it would. Again, same songs. We went, we heard them sing a song that we sing. So, um, and we said, yeah, that, let, let's, let's make that happen. And they said, but can we, in addition to Sunday nights, can we do like, monthly events where we try to reach out to the youth? And can we do events where maybe we try to get different youth groups to come together, maybe once a quarter or once a month, and we'll have popcorn and food and do uh, like music concerts that, you know, maybe you guys wouldn't come to, but your kids or grandkids would. And we're like, yeah, let's do whatever to reach out to the community, right? Now, let me wrap up excuse me, quickly with this, because none of that matters if we're Bible-based and we're community-based, but we're not people-based. Because the whole reason that we're doing any of this is because lost people matter to God and they ought to matter to us. The priority for everything that we do should be bringing people to Christ. And I know it doesn't jive from an organizational standpoint, but from God's standpoint, the whole reason that he gave his life is because lost people matter to him. And the whole reason he created the church is so that we can go out and tell people that and show them how much he loves them. Here's one final thing I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the band to start playing, but uh, Brandon, I'm going to ask you to come down here. She's going to put your guitar down because Brandon lives in Elizabeth. Uh, Marty, I'm going to ask you to come up here because you live downtown. Do we have anyone that lives in West Mifflin? Yeah, I'm going to ask you to come up. Uh, West Elizabeth, do you mind just moving to the chair right up here? Where am I missing? I need someone from Jefferson Hills, too. Where we get Je Yeah, if you guys want to come up. Or Helen, just you come up. Ed, you can stay. Helen, come on up. Am I missing any surrounding areas? Claritin. Do we have anyone? Claritin. Any other surrounding areas that I'm missing from? Yeah, Claritin, you guys. Do you guys mind coming up? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And here's what I want to do because... I'm just going to pray. You're not, don't, don't worry. We're not going to like Facebook, Facebook 
photo every <laughs> but I just want to pray because these are areas where churches around us are and in addition to praying for our congregation and our church the, the, there are Bible believing spirit filled churches in these areas and those are our partners and although as I said sometimes it's rough trying to you know do partners with other organizations we're supposed to be praying for them as well so I'm going to ask the rest of you, since you know we're a small crowd, to come forward, lay hands on all these guys representing our surrounding churches, and we're going to pray for all of our surrounding churches that not just would our vision be fulfilled, but that God's vision for his churches in downtown Pittsburgh, in West Mifflin, in Claritin, in West Elizabeth, in Elizabeth, in Jefferson Hills, in Pleasant Hills, and all over would be fulfilled. All right, just bow your heads with me. God, we lift up all of these areas, and we know that there are more. We lift up McKeesport and Glassport and the whole Mon Valley and downtown and other South Hills areas and West End and just all over, God, that we would be so passionate and so excited and so deliberate in seeing your vision fulfilled that it would overrun our human desires for what our vision should be. That we would not be the groups that fight and argue and divide, but that from city to city to borough to borough to community, we would come together as your people to see your will done, your voice lifted up, your kingdom exalted, and your son glorified. And God, we pray for each and every one of these areas, that for the churches that are there, that they would embrace your vision to see your kingdom filled, and that we would partner with them be brothers and sisters in Christ with them and come alongside them to share and show the love of Christ to this area. God, we thank you. We pray that you would bless us. We thank you for everything that you give to us, your grace, your mercy, your love. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who created the church, who sustains the church, and who calls and equips us to be the church. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys. Pray that you guys have an awesome Sunday. I know we went a little bit long, but God bless, and see you all next week.